<laughs> Welcome to Parent Talk Podcasts, where experienced parents and expert guests give tips and tricks on making parenting a breeze. Well, at least a little easier. Now here is your host, Genevieve Kyle, and co-host, Heather Fox. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the third season of Parent Talk, everything parenting and more. We are broadcasting out of the greater Vancouver area. I'm your host, Genevieve Kao, mom of two. I'm also the host of Les Parents Parle, which is Parent Talk's French edition. I'm with my co-host, Heather Fox. Hi, Heather. Hello, everyone. Heather Fox here. Yes, co-host of Parent Talk. I am also a mom of two. Um, today, we wanted to share this amazing opportunity for expectant parents. So doula and birth educator Michelle Teliakos of Crowning Glory Birth Incorporated is offering her virtual prenatal class, My Powerful Birth, at a pick your price from $0 to $150 promotion during the pandemic. So Michelle believes that everyone should have the chance to experience experience what it looks like to plan powerfully for the birth they desire even during this difficult time. So this is not your typical prenatal class. Participants in this class have sparked a new sense of aliveness and passion for what they want in their pregnancy and birth. So they are inspired, connected, and can communicate clearly to their partners and care providers. So you will have the knowledge and tools to navigate your birth no matter how your baby is born. And you will have a new realization of who you are and how powerful you truly are. So classes run every other week and are currently being offered, as previously mentioned, for the pick your price um, from $0 to $150, whatever you're able to afford. Um, so to register, just visit mypowerfulbirth.com. Yes, and you're going to love Michelle. She creates an amazing space and it's easy to share. And we did some podcasts with Michelle as well. She's a fantastic speaker. So you're going to love her. So if you need to have, you need to attend a prenatal class right now, both of us, Heather and I, we totally uh, recommend her, right? Definitely. She's just a wealth of information. It's amazing. Yeah. Awesome. Well, today we're talking about returning to exercises after birth, and we have with us Sherry Bajal. Sherry is a physiotherapist and a mom. So welcome, Sherry. Welcome to Parent Talk Podcast. Well, it's great to have you with us. So returning to exercise after birth. Oh, gosh. I can talk about this forever myself. <laughs> so what timeline should a postpartum mom follow when they return to exercise? Well, um, luckily, we got uh, a new guideline by Sports Medicine National Institute in March of 2019. That's a nice graphic that I usually show mums um, and more describe in our visits. Um, but looking at the first two to four weeks, we're really not doing a lot. Uh, we're laying pretty low, working on strengthening the pelvic floor muscles, um, getting some endurance in those muscles. And so uh, for those of you who don't know what the pelvic floor muscles are, they're the, the floor of muscles. It's like a basically a big trampoline, the muscles that we sit on. And we want to make sure that those muscles are both lengthening and contracting. So we don't just hold a Kegel for unlimited amount of time. We want to make sure that they lengthen and relax with inhale. They expand our diaphragm with inhale, go, lowers down, and so does our pelvic floor muscle. And then they contract with exhale. And, and when you're not exerting yourself, they're just going to recoil. So we really want to get that basic normal movement happening. 
we want to get basic core activation patterns. So we have, a, uh, I use Julie Weeb's term, blow before you go a lot. So you want to exhale and engage your pelvic floor muscles as you're about to exert any effort. Okay, so that means, say you have to lick up, lift up your baby, you're going to inhale as you lower to pick the, the baby, then with the load, you're going to exhale, engage your floor of the pelvis, so that you're preventing any organs from descending and lowering, basically, which is called pelvic organ prolapse. Um, so that from the zero to two week, you're really just getting those Kegel muscles working again with the breath, with different activities of daily living, lifting your baby, things that you need to do. And then you're just walking and you're really monitoring for your symptoms and gradually building what you can do. Then from the two to four week, you're going to progress your walking. Again, we're not going into a half an hour walk. And monitoring for symptoms would be something like, do you increase your bleeding when you go for a walk? Is your pain unmanageable when you're walking? Um, do you feel heaviness in your perineum when you're walking? So you need to really just listen to your body symptoms and they're going to tell you whether that trauma, that birth trauma was too much for walking the amount that you're walking. And then we start some basic core exercises around that two to four week, which is maybe just lying on your back and getting your Kegels engaged with moving your knee up towards 90 degrees at the hip uh, and then putting it back down or maybe a, a knee fallout. Maybe it's an arm lift or a leg movement, but very, very low weight. We're not even doing like a head lift yet. Um, and getting your transverse abdominis, that um, lower abdomen muscle firing a little bit, depending on whether you had a C-section or not. And we start to add squats, lunges, and bridges around that two to four week period, again, based on whether you can handle that load, whether you can feel that your pelvic floor muscles are contracting or not. And then we get to the four to six week um, period, and we're looking at low impact cardiovascular exercises. Maybe you can sit on a stationary bike comfortably, uh, usually not a spinning saddle bike. I don't know if anyone's ever tried, but I did try and it was way too early. <laughs> mm. And uh, usually here, it's just the discomfort that's going to be that measure of whether you can bike or not. Um and then sometimes people can do elliptical or cross trainer, depending on, again, the individual's birth trauma and the speed of recovery based on symptoms and comfort level here. Really listening to those symptoms too, because some new moms are really busy and not really focusing on what their body's telling them. And at that six to eight week mark, then we want to do a bit more power walking if it's appropriate, um, increasing low impact exercise intensity. Uh, so that's walking, adding a deadlift type motion. So a hip hinging motion would be okay here. And um, it's just sort of more load to the pelvic floor. And that's why we wait till six to eight weeks to add that motion in. But some people are ready earlier towards the six week mark. And some people aren't ready until the 10 week mark. So it really depends on symptoms. And then adding resistance to the lower extremities, for example, squat, bridging, um, that motion and core, if they're ready to progress. So maybe here that, um, lower abdomen can connect better and you can do a head lift without having any abdominal doming. So we have to look at the diastasis too. the diastasis rectus abdominis. We have to see, you know, is there good linear elbow tension between that gap in those abdominal muscles? Uh, are you able to Kegel and create good tension across? Or when you lift your head, does it just go back into that valley where you can basically touch your intestines with your hand? So assessing for diastasis is something that we do in the clinic just to see how you're managing your pressure load and your tension. 
And around the eight to 12 week mark, we're looking at swimming if your bleeding has stopped and if the healing's satisfactory, if you had any tearing and spinning, if it's comfortable. Um, again, sitting on the spin saddle is quite a narrow uh, space. So you want to be careful with that. And if it's inducing pain, then that's not really a good thing to create those pain pathway neuro firing. So we want to do something that's comfortable and that feels good and feels like we can engage our pelvic floor properly. And then at that 12 week, that's usually the earliest I would educate someone to return to running. Um, but they have to be able to meet some criteria like how's their pelvic floor muscle strength and endurance. And maybe they can only hold for five seconds um, and they can't hold for longer and they can only do one or two. Well, that's going to be a pretty short run then. And we increase the lower extremity strength. Can you, they meet the demands of running? Can they do a single leg squat? Because that's basically what running is. Um, and the concepts here are really goal specific and task oriented, uh, considering, you know, did the client gain quite a bit of weight during pregnancy and maybe they need to lose a bit more weight doing a bit more low impact stuff before they go into the higher impact exercise. So progressions may have to be a bit more gradual to prevent injury, depending on your pregnant, every, each individual's pregnancy. Um, and then again, C-section would, you'd have to make sure that that transverse abdominus is firing well before you're going to lift like heavy amounts of load. And you want to listen to those signs and symptoms again, any heaviness, any increase in bleeding, hopefully the bleeding stopped by that eight week mark, but you still want to watch for any signs. Um, and then I, I do educate women about prolapse symptoms and that heaviness. And, you know, if they cough and they feel like their organs are bulging out, we need to make sure that they're activating their pelvic floor properly and managing that progression of prolapse before adding any kind of increased load. And this is where also some people may want to consider a run coach um, or a physio who does a lot of return to run because they want to make sure that they're not just going to running just to lose that body weight and uh, in an unsafe way. So that's the uh, progressions that we usually follow. Excellent. So now this is not me, but <laughs> for moms who love to run, should they be squeezing their pelvic floor the entire time to prevent any leaking? Good question. I do have moms who, you know, started leaking and at six weeks returned to running and they're like, but I'm keegling the whole entire run. And actually, again, the pelvic floor muscle does not work if it's too contracted. So 75% of women are actually really tight in their pelvic floor. They're overly tight. Um, especially postpartum when they have the oxytocin working to contract the uterus back to its normal size, actually the pelvic floor gets really tight. So we want to imagine pelvic floor, it's sort of like imagine you're doing a bicep curl. If you start the bicep curl near end range of motion, you're not going to have very much range of motion. So you want to be able to lengthen the pelvic floor muscles so that it can contract well. So how it goes with running and exercise, again, is that inhale, expand that pelvic floor, exhale, contract. So for me, when I returned to running, I waited until about four to five months um, postpartum. And as soon as I started running, it was like the immediate like, oh, I need to pee feeling. So I noticed that that was a symptom that meant I wasn't really ready to run. Um, so I started doing like a walk run program. And that feeling went away pretty quick and my body remembered how to run, but I really had to work on relaxing my pelvic floor for the inhale. And I do about three steps per inhale. So if there are three steps, I would relax my pelvic floor and then three steps, I would contract it. 
And I really had to hold back. Um, I'm not a marathon runner by any means. Like 5K is good for me. Um, I like my 10K runs here and there, but usually 5K. And so I started probably about like 500 meters running and then walking for another 500 and then 500 meters running. And I really built up from that level. Um, but it's, it's scary for people to relax their pelvic floor when they have had incontinence, especially for the first six weeks, it's so common to have some incontinence. So I just really want to get the message out there to women. Like you do not Kegel the whole entire time. The pelvic floor works with the diaphragm as a piston and that piston motion only happens if the thorax is doing its proper rotation. Um, so pelvic pelvis and thorax kind of opposite oppositely rotate, but if you're just contracting, you're probably not rotating at all. So it's not working like a piston and you're just giving the muscle a load that it's not used to having. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So in addition to incontinence or leaking, what are some other symptoms that moms should be aware of and um, that indicates that type of exercises is too much load for their pelvic floor? Good question. Okay. So mm -hmm. like I referred to when I went back to running that immediate feeling like you had to pee as soon as you started running. Well, I had just urinated before my run. So that's not a normal thing to feel like you have to pee right away. So it was probably that I wasn't supporting my bladder as well as I needed to. Um, there is a lot of mental piece of that too. Like you thinking, oh, I might leak and paying attention to it. When we pay attention to our bladder, we sometimes induce the need to have to urinate. So you have to make sure it's not just a mental block. Um, but having to stop in the middle of a run to urinate when you just went before the run, we should really only be urinating like five to eight times a day, even for those people who drink a lot of water, like it might be over eight times, but it shouldn't be that much over eight times a day. So if you're having to stop to pee when you're running, it could be a sign that, okay, well, maybe, maybe your pelvic floor is not matching that load very well. Any kind of heaviness in the perineal area, it's, it's a sign that you may have prolapsed, you're not supporting, or there's just, you know, it, it's, it's not um, a symptom that we want you to feel. Um, so get checked for pelvic organ prolapse there for sure. Um, any pelvic pain, and that can be just from ligament laxity and weakness, the muscle weakness, or over-tightening your pelvic floor. That can do a number to both the SI joints, anywhere in the pelvis, really. If you're tightening your pelvic floor the whole time, um, there's not a good balance of muscle activation pattern happening. So that can create pain. It can create some symphysis pubis pain, um, which is a common issue during pregnancy, but can also continue on postpartum if people are activating too many, too much of the groin muscles to sort of protect that pelvic floor if their Kegel muscles aren't firing as well or the pelvic floor muscles. So it's just really a balance of muscle patterning. And it, it it's really hard to talk about generally. It's really easy to see in a client, oh, which muscles aren't firing? Oh, your glutes aren't firing because you're bum tucking. And when you run, you're continuing to bum tuck because you're trying to squeeze your pelvic floor for dear life because you leaked, you know, that one time. So it's educating women, it's safe to let go, it's safe to contract and teaching them how to reincorporate that into their running is really important. And then any other site of running injuries, so it can be plantar fasciitis, it could be knee pain, runner's knee, all of those things may be because you haven't learned to use your core again in running um, and or let go of your core in running. So it, it can be one little thing that we can change that will make a big difference in a lower injury, a lower extremity injury, sorry. And uh, so those are all signs that we want to watch for 
in people who are returning to exercise. Awesome. So now can we do any long-term damage by returning to high-impact exercise too early? Um, yes. I, I'm i a huge proponent of like getting checked. How is your pelvic floor working, working post-birth? If it's working great, good. What loads can you do? Um, can you match? Because if someone is thinking that they're kegling, they could be bearing down and actually pushing their pelvic organs out. So the pelvic floor supports the uh, bladder and urethra, which is how you urinate, and the uterus and vagina, and the rectum. So imagine the amount of weight the pelvic floor had to hold up in the uterus for nine months, and now you've birthed, you've pushed a 10 centimeter, if, if you birthed vaginally, you push a 10 centimeter head through there, and now we're asking those muscles to load again against a running load, which is quite high impact, or a heavy lifting, a squat load where you're lifting quite a significant amount of weight, um, even just lifting a baby and a um, car seat is heavy, right? So we really want to make sure that people are blowing before they go. They're engaging pelvic floor before they load to ensure they're not bearing down and pushing their organs out of those holes, um, structurally, a woman's pelvis is a lot weaker than a man's pelvis because we have that third hole and we carry a heavy uterus. So men have less of a risk of pelvic organ prolapse, obviously, because of their structure. But women, you don't even have to have birth to have be at risk of pelvic organ prolapse. It can just be obesity or it could be a chronic cough, um, many other reasons, or just poor connective tissue. So I actually like to get everyone, obviously, I, I advocate for everyone to get their pelvic floor checked if they're having any injury anywhere else, because maybe they're not using their core system properly. Mm -hmm. So are there any other factors that could, uh, that needs to be considered with returning to exercises? Any other factors? Yeah. Um, we need to look at like the rest of the body, whether it can take on the load. So just like I mentioned, the ex lower extremity, um, there might be pelvic floor might be okay, but maybe there was a C-section and the transversus, uh, the lower abdomen, the deep lower abdomen that was cut to have a C-section. Um, possibly that isn't firing really well. And so it, it needs to all be firing in a coordinated pattern to have that piston working properly. So you want to make sure that you know, all the aspects of the lower extremity and the core are all working well. And then you need to just look at their running pattern. Are they rotating through their thorax and pelvis? Are they breathing? How are they breathing? Are they a apical breather? Meaning do they breathe just into their neck and their upper ribs? Or are they breathing all the way down to their pelvic floor? It's I, usually the first thing I look at is in people is their posture. Most women like to stick their chest out and lift their sternum. So that the rib cage is sort of in a an out flare, um, you know, when you picture someone in good posture, um, like breast to the sky sort of position. And that actually isn't optimal for that piston. So you want to get the rib cage over their pelvis. And actually, it feels hunched and slouched, but it's not. And the pelvic floor usually performs much better in that position. And then trying to get them to rotation rotate again, we get them just standing with rotation and getting their arms swinging again um, almost like you're trying to go uphill when you're running that is really important um, also looking at breastfeeding so if people are having pelvic organ prolapse symptoms um, 
teaching them that like breastfeeding is going to affect that. So not to say stop breastfeeding, but just realize that maybe while you're breastfeeding, you may need some support from a pessary. And a pessary is a silicone structure that gets inserted into the vaginal canal to sort of hold up the uterus, push the bladder back into a better position. It's less um, important for what we call rectocele, the pelvic organ prolapse of the uh, rectum, but it can really help people who are having some incontinence, some stress incontinence, or having heaviness because of prolapse symptoms during running or any kind of weightlifting. Um, and we want to look at like nutrition and hydration and all those other factors that are going to affect your body's consistency and whether you're going to be able to match the loads of returning to exercise because most moms don't have the time to put into nutrition, proper nutrition. So that's a really important thing. Um, and then also I really like to look at the goals of the client. Like why at four weeks are they like, I need to go back to running? Well, what, what's, what's the reasoning behind that? What's underneath all of those reasons? Is it because they're having maybe, do they have a history of eating disorder? Um, where does that desire to lose weight come from? Is it from themselves or their assumptions of possibly in their partner? Are they self-conscious? Are they accepting that their postpartum body is different? And, and have they accepted that new normal and that there will be so many changes that do happen and you have one body and you need to really love it and respect it and listen to the symptoms of it and not just push past those symptoms just to try to get your, you know, pre-pregnancy body weight back. Because to me, that goal comes from an underlying mental health issue that needs to be addressed, maybe with a counselor or a psychologist. Mm-hmm. And the other, oh, I thought of one more thing. Um, constipation is a big reason that a lot of people want to get back to running. And maybe there's other ways we can manage that constipation through other types of exercise. Because if that was, if running was the only thing that worked for them before, like going through a fire, fiber diary, making sure they're hydrated well enough, all of those other things are really important. I love it, Sherry. You gave us so much information here. I personally waited a year to go back to exercise Yeah. Uh, after my first one, and I went back too fast, so yeah. I stopped. Mm-hmm. I'm a big hiker. I love hiking. I'm not really a runner, but, I, you know, here and there, maybe I'll, I would go for a run. Yep. Before having baby, I, I haven't gone back yet, but it's... Uh, Yeah, I'm still very careful. I'm like two years past my second birth and I'm still not back to what I used to do. Mm -hmm. And I I avoid high impact activities. If I run, I will run very short amount of time. Yeah. Right. And I think it's, again, personally for myself, do we have the time to put into progressing our exercise and, you know, really actually... Do we have time to do that, you know, half an hour to hour a day of the less, you know, if you love running and I've given you homework of doing single leg squats and lunges and those things, um, do you have time? Are you putting the proper time into doing that strengthening thing? And the other thing is, um, depending on, you know, one pelvic floor or pelvic health physio might see something and might be working on that one thing, but maybe they have overlooked another thing that might help you. So seeing um, one or two pelvic floor physios, I actually really recommend because the strengths in one physio might be different than the strengths in another physio, and they might be able to help progress you in different ways. So 
you want to make sure that you, um, you know, you're doing the strengthening, you're doing the walking, you're not going too fast, you're listening to your body symptoms. But if you're with some, if, if you're with a physio who's told you, you know, oh, you shouldn't be doing more than walking because this is where you're stopped at, don't take that for, um, I don't know how to say that, but but make sure that you're not just, you know, we've heard people have uh, break their backs and, oh, you'll never walk again. And then they're running marathons. So you really don't want to put any limitations on where you could get to. Uh, there's a lot of options that you should discuss with your physio. But if you wanted to get to higher impact exercise, it might just take a little bit more um, step-by-step progressions. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm doing, but it's taking a long time. And why I'm sharing this, it's I'm inviting moms to be patient and to mm-hmm. be grace, gracious here because, yeah, we want to be back. We want to go back to whatever we like before. And if your body needs a bit more time, it's okay. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what we really, we only get one body. And whether you're going to have one or two or four or five births, you really need to be patient with your body, especially in that prime healing time, the first five to six weeks are huge for really being patient, letting your body heal, taking those sits baths that you need, make sure that you are hydrating, eating well, everything to promote good healing and learning to manage those pressure systems well so that you're not progressing any pro- progressing any prolapse that could have been prevented. And I hear all the time from people like, why were I not told this before? And so we're trying to get the message out there to have people come in while they're pregnant to get assessed for their pelvic floor strength so that we sort of know what was their baseline before pregnancy um, and where can we help get them to postpartum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. Sherry, thank you so much. We can find you on our panel with expert at parenttalk.ca. Where else can we find you? I am on Facebook, uh, Sheree Budgel Physio, or yeah, Sheree Budgel Physiotherapy on Facebook. And I'm also on Social Mums um, under Sheree Budgel. And I am, you can find me on my, the clinic that I work out of, Connective Sport and Health website in Maple Ridge, British Columbia. Awesome. Thank you so much. Well, that concludes today's episode. Well, I want to thank you, Sherry and Heather, for taking the time to be here and helping us be the best parents we can be. If you have a question or you would like to join us on our show as a guest or as an expert, please visit the contact us section on our website at parenttalk.ca. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and you can join us on social.mom. If you enjoyed today's episode, we are inviting you to share it on your social media. As we all know, parenting can be hard, so remember it's important to laugh, keep learning, cherish your village, and be true to yourself. Parent Talk is a safe space for everyone. Thank you for listening, and have a great week. The views and or opinions of the host and their guests are not necessarily those of Parent Talk and should not be considered as fact. The information offered is believed to be accurate but is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice and should not be used for diagnosing or treating any health issue or prescribing medication. If you have any questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your child, please seek assistance from a qualified healthcare practitioner.